Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So we've been in this series for a number of weeks now. This is our fifth week, Guardrails, where we've been talking about the importance of guardrails, that they are critical, that they help keep us from destroying our lives in the most important areas of our lives. And you already know what a guardrail is. You know how it works. Guardrails are there to help, and they're designed to keep us from straying into dangerous areas. They keep us from driving off of curves. They drive us, keep us from falling off of bridges, going into oncoming traffic. They're really there to direct and to protect us. The guardrails keep us out of the ditches of life, right? They keep to direct and protect us. And really what we do with guardrails is that we always put them in the safety zone to protect us from the danger zone. In other words, we always put margin there between um, where the guardrail is and the cliff's edge, wherever that thing that could destroy us, destroy the ones that we love. And that guardrail there is really designed to minimize damage to your life to your loved ones, to your car. Yes, you're going to damage your car a little bit if you bump up against a guardrail, but it's going to be minimal compared to what it would be if you went over the edge, if you went off the bridge, went off the cliff, and off the curve. That, That is a completely different... The stakes are much higher. And this is not just true in our roadways and in our streets and in our cities. This is true of every area of life, especially the parts of our life where the stakes couldn't be higher. And those are the areas we've been talking about all through the series. Finances, in the area of relationships, the area of our deepest connections with other people, in the area of our sexuality, in the area of you name it. We've been talking about morality over these last several weeks. And this week is going to be no different. And the reason that we talk about these guardrails is because the purpose of the guardrail is to be a warning light to our conscience, to warn us before we hurt others and ourselves. Something to go off in our head is like a bing, like going off of your phone, like a little warning in your phone to say, wait a minute, before you go off the edge, hang on, hold up, wait just a second. It's to help keep us from driving off the edge. And today, we're going to talk about arguably the most important guardrail of all, the guardrails around our hearts. Now, I want to point your attention to an Old Testament verse of Scripture that was written by King Solomon. And King Solomon wrote... Uh, this book of Proverbs in the Old Testament really is a kind of like fatherly wisdom, fatherly love to his children to help teach them about the wisdom of God. And so when we come to chapter 4, verse 23, he's sharing with them specifically about guardrails for their heart, okay? And here's what he said. If you would, let's read the highlighted words together. He says, above all else, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to guard your heart heart, right? Have a guardrail around your heart. And we're going to talk about specifically what that looks like today. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you think, everything you say, all of your behavior flows from your heart, Solomon's saying. This is never going to go out of style. This will never stop being true. This will never stop being relevant to your life. Above all else, guard your heart, 
because everything you do flows from it. So, great advice, how do you do that? Like, what, what does that mean, Solomon? Lucky for us, as we come to the New Testament, Jesus really begins to unpack the things of the heart a little bit more. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. Let me set up this passage. It's found in uh, Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, here's what's happening. The Pharisees and the scribes, these kind of religious leaders that were really, for the most part, they were phony. They were people who were trying to look religious and holy and righteous and close to God. But as far as Jesus was concerned, is that these people really don't know God. They just are putting on a show. But they came to Jesus to scold him and say, look, your disciples, they don't follow like the kosher rules. They don't follow the hand-washing ritual. They don't follow the dietary restrictions that we impose on all the people. That really what they were doing was there were some rules from the Old Testament for priests how they're supposed to wash and cleanse themselves before they do their priestly duties. And what the Pharisees had done is they had prescribed it to everybody. God said no just for the priests. They said no, if you really want to be holy, everybody's got to do this. But Jesus is like going to help remind them in just a minute that that was never meant for everybody. God's concerned about something way more important. So he gathers all the people. Jesus calls the crowd to him, and here's what he says. He pulls the disciples and all those who are standing there that hear the scribes and the Pharisees that have a lot of clout with these people. They're Jewish people, and here's their leaders. Here's their authority in their day, and here's what Jesus says about what they said. He says, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Okay, so now you're probably wondering, well, what does this word defile actually mean? I'm so glad you asked. Defile means to make unworthy or unclean, specifically unworthy and unclean before God. This is something that offends God. This is something we're doing that God's going, no, I don't want you to do that. That's wrong. It's going to destroy you. It offends me. It drives a wedge between us. So Jesus is saying, listen, it's important for you to ask the question, what is, a, what is offensive to God? What's defiles? What is sinful? What is wrong? What's going to push you further away from God? That's important, but you're coming to the wrong conclusion. It's not what goes into the person. It's what is coming out of the mouth. Now, it's interesting. Um, there's a little confusion going on. Evidently, there was some discussion going on with the crowd. And Peter, many times, Peter, the apostle Peter, he, he's the spokesperson many times for the disciples. He comes to Jesus and he says, okay, Jesus, if you wouldn't mind, let's rewind the tape. And could you explain that parable one more time to us, just a little slower this time, okay? And I think Jesus right here, I think Jesus is having a little bit of fun with Peter and those who are present. Here's what Jesus says, verse 16. He says, are you still so dull? A word that means slow and unintelligent, okay? I think that's so funny. Jesus is like, really? Are you really that dumb? Okay, like, so I think he's just being, he's, he's kind of having fun with them a little bit. And then I can't help but think that what Jesus says next, he's saying it like real slow, like you would explain it to a toddler, okay? So he's going, okay, Jesus said to them, don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the tummy, into the stomach, and then goes out of the body. You got that? Okay, hey, Jesus, I got that, all right? Yeah, that's not the part we're confused about. Okay, anyway, he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, 
come from the, let's say it together, come from the, the heart. And these, these are the things that defile a person. The stuff that we say that hurts others, the words that hurt others offend God. This is what Jesus is saying. The words that hurt others offend God. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand that that's not ever going to change. God wants you to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful, because that is actually what offends him. That's what drives away. That's what's defiling and and unworthy and, and unclean, is what comes out of our mouth. And then Jesus goes on to explain it further. He says, for out of the, let's say, out of the heart come evil thoughts, like your thoughts are coming out of your heart. And he says, and and like the worst stuff you can think of, this is where it comes from. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. This is just lying, just misrepresenting the truth. Slander, this is talking bad about people, specifically about them behind their back. He goes from really bad sins, which we would all go, yeah, murder, that's really bad. No, you're not supposed to do that. All the way down to the stuff you're like, ooh, you're, touching, you're kind of stepping on my toes, Jesus. He's going, all this stuff from the worst to the least, like the sort of acceptable sins, the acceptable defilement, the stuff that we all kind of like, well, we all do that. It's no big deal. He's saying, no, it all comes from the same place. It all comes from your heart. He says that these are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Like, let me be clear. And and you have to understand, this is a complete reversal of thinking for Jewish people in the first century. What Jesus is teaching is so revolutionary and crazy. To them, it was all about following rules, being legalistic. If you can check all the boxes and you follow all the rules, then you're good with God, according to the Pharisees and the scribes and the rulers of the Jews. But Jesus is saying, it doesn't work like that, guys. It doesn't work. They're saying, wait, 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 wait. You mean when we mistreat other people verbally and with our behavior and even our thoughts, that's offensive to God? But our dietary restrictions and the way we wash our hands, God like couldn't care less? Exactly, Jesus is saying. And here's the interesting thing, ladies and gentlemen, that the Jews that Jesus is talking to in this passage are just like you and me. Isn't it true that we spend a lot of time thinking about how we come off outwardly? Our outward appearance, are we attractive? Do we look successful? Do we look like we got it together? Do we look like we're, you know, we're impressive to people? We're way more concerned about that these days. But God is is showing us right here, Jesus is saying, listen, when it comes to what God actually cares about, he couldn't care less about that. What he really cares about is your heart. What is going on deep down inside of you where nobody but God can see and you can see. But he says, that's what I came to shepherd. That's what I came to redeem, to forgive, to give salvation to was your heart, not your lifestyle. Like, yes, it should change your behavior, absolutely, but I didn't come down here for behavior modification. 
that's not it. I'm not just trying to make a bunch of people behave. I'm trying to come down here and convert their hearts. And when your heart's different, your life's different. You live differently because your heart's been changed. Jesus is saying, make no mistake about it. This is not just more rules to follow. That's not why I came. And if that's what you think, you got it wrong. You missed the boat. And I want you to know that you... You have to understand that God loves you, loves your heart, and wants you to put a guardrail around it. See, Jesus taught our behavior will eventually reflect our hearts. Our behavior will eventually reflect our hearts. And isn't it true? Haven't you been going along in your life where you feel like, okay, I kind of got it together. I'm behaving myself. I kind of feel like I'm kind of, and then you do something, something comes out of your mouth or something that you behave in a way and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Where did, or you know somebody, right? This is maybe easier to spot in other people. It's hard to confess that you do this in your own life. But other people, you go like, you know this guy, you know this girl, and they're going along in their life and all of a sudden they blow up their marriage. They just destroy it. They make some decisions that are just foolish. They blow up their finances. They blow up their career. They just make terrible decisions. And you go, whoa, where did that come from? I thought they knew better than that. Just like I thought I knew better than that when it happened to me. When, you, when it happens to you, we all kind of wonder, where did that come from? Where did that come from? You know where it came from, according to what Jesus taught? That something in our heart on the inside of us got loose on the outside of us. There was something already down there that wasn't dealt with, that didn't have a guardrail around it, and it got loose and it destroyed part of their life. And that will happen to every single one of us. Jesus is saying, pay close attention to your heart. Pay close attention to what's coming out of you because that is telling you what's inside of you. So incredibly important. So here's what I'm going to do over the next couple of minutes. I want to talk about guardrails for your heart, but I'm going to start off by talking about four emotions that we all have that are inside of us. These are four emotions that are defiling they are unclean and unworthy before God. They are things that will drive a wedge between you and God and the people that you love. They will eat you up. On the end. They're the most toxic emotions that a human can experience, and they will mess you up big time. I want to talk about each of the four, how to identify them, define them so you can identify them in you. If they're there, you need to know they're there. And then we're going to go back through the four one more time, and I'm going to give you a guardrail for each of the four to know here is how you guard yourself against this. This is how you keep from going off the ledge. This is how you keep from, and, and really the guardrails are so powerful because they will radically change your heart for the better if you put them into place. So here's the first one. Here's the first of the four emotions. It's guilt. Guilt. And guilt essentially is saying, I owe you. Anytime you feel guilty, it's because you feel like you owe somebody something. Or you feel like you owe God something. You feel like you owe somebody something. And all of these four emotions, there's going to be a debt that is due to someone somewhere. And, and that's part of why they mess with us so much. That's why we can't just like forget about it, push it to the side, don't worry about it. You can't do that. It eats at you. It's a debt that is owed. And anger, or pardon me, guilt basically says, listen, here's the issue. I owe you something. I've hurt you. I, I took something from you. Or, or, or you loaned me some money, I never paid you back. Sorry. Uh, you, you loaned me some of your property and I never returned it. 
or I broke your heart, and, uh, or I, I took your idea, I took your intellectual property, I took responsibility, I took, um, I took on your idea and act like it was mine, and, and, and everybody applauded me, and I never gave you credit for it. I, I hurt you in some way, or maybe I slandered you, I gossiped about you behind your back, and you don't even know I did it, but I feel guilty about that every time I'm around you. Isn't it true that when somebody owes you money or somebody has done you wrong and you've never really dealt with it, it creates distance in the relationship. Have you noticed this? That the guy that owes you, you know, a hundred bucks, he doesn't really come around anymore. He doesn't really call you or text you. He doesn't want to really hang out anymore because every time he's around you, he feels a little guilty. And the guy that owes you $500, you'll never see him, okay? Yeah, so... Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Guilt has a funny way of driving a wedge in a relationship, and it starts making us act fake with each other. We stop being authentic. We start being secret keepers. We don't really get honest. We don't really, and what it does is it slowly suffocates the relationship. That's what guilt does if it's not dealt with. It's that powerful. That's the first one. Here's the second one, anger. Anger says, you owe me right? You took the best years of my life. You took my ideas. You took my love and broke my heart. You took my money. You took my ideas. You took, you took something. Here's what anger says to you. You are justified to go get even, take vengeance on. You took from me, so I'm going to pay you back. That's what vengeance says. And it comes from anger. It's saying, I'm going to get you, right? But here's the thing about anger that nobody ever tells you, is it won't behave. It doesn't stay inside the confines of the relationship of origin. It doesn't stay within the relationship where it came from. It begins to creep its way and seep its way into every other relationship of your life. And then your spouse is like, why are you so angry? And your kids are going, daddy, mommy, why are you kind of scaring me? Why are you so and you're realizing this is not them that's making me angry, even though I'm venting it on them. It's coming from somebody else, but I never dealt with it. And what it will do, just like guilt, it will slowly start to deteriorate and eat you up and mess up your relationships and push, push away the people that you love most. Don't let it. Here's the third one. Greed. Greed says, I owe me. I owe me everything that comes to me. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Remember last week we talked about this a little bit? That if I make that much, I'm going to live on that much or a little bit more, okay? I'm going to consume all of it. Greed says, no, you're justified. You don't need to be generous. You don't need to give that away. You don't need to share. You don't need to, you just, it's all for you. You just consume it all. And greed really ultimately, deep down, is an issue of trust. It's saying, no, I really get my security, I get my hope, I get my, like, my peace comes from having a chunk of money in the bank. Whew. Like, if I can just have that, then I'll have peace. And I'm telling you, it is a false security. It is never enough. And what it does is the people that, that love you and that you love, it will start to make those people feel like they got to compete with your stuff, 
your money, your career, your time. Mommy, daddy, when are you ever going to have time? Can you come play with us? Can you spend time? No, I got, I got to do this. I got, I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this for us. And really what you're saying is I'm doing this so I can have peace. I'm doing this so I can have hope. I can feel like we can be secure. I feel like I can take off, take off some time because I've made enough. But it's really a, an issue of trust and faith where we placed it. And it will start to eat you up. And it's so insidious because nobody wants to admit, yeah, I'm greedy sometimes. Nobody wants to admit that. But we all are. We all, I am too. We all are sometimes. And it's so important to begin to identify it when it starts to take root in our heart. Here's the last of the four. Jealousy. And jealousy says, life owes me. And here's what jealousy many times does. We get a little bit angry, perturbed when we see somebody else start to win at life. They get a windfall, they get a promotion, they're making a little bit more, whatever. And you look at that and you say, I deserve that. And they, I deserve it more. I work harder than that guy. I'm smarter than that girl. I, I, I should have had that for me. Why hasn't that happened to me? And there's some anger over it. And here's how else jealousy begins to rear its ugly head is that when something bad happens to somebody you're not real crazy about, that just quietly, deep down, and maybe not so quietly, you're throwing a little party, like, celebrate good time, come home. You know, like, you're, you're a little bit excited that something bad happened to them. That's ugly. That's jealousy in you and me. It is. It absolutely is. But what's beautiful is that for each one of these four areas that can eat you and I alive, God offers a guardrail to say, Here's something that'll keep you from going off the ledge. And if you will implement these guardrails in your life, they will change your heart for the better. They will save your life, could save your relationship, save your relationship with God. It's amazing how transformative it can be to your life. So let's start with the, big, the first one, guilt. Guilt says, I owe you. Here's the guardrail. Confess. It's just that simple. Who are you feeling guilty around? <laughs> Who do you feel guilty when you think about what's, what's happened, what you've taken? Go to that person. Sit down with them and talk to them and confess it. And I know just telling you that for some of you, you're getting a sick feeling in your stomach. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I can do that. My reputation's going to take a hit. My marriage is going to take a hit. You know what? It might take a hit, but it's a guardrail hit compared to the cliff that's waiting for you if you keep that secret. They're going to find out. They always do. And when they do, it's going to be way worse than you coming forward and exercising some integrity and owning it, manning up, woman, woman up, up. I don't think it's on a word. Anyway, to woman up, sit down and say, I did that. I took, I said this, please forgive me. I am so sorry. I did, I hurt you. I know I did. I never asked your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Like sit, sitting down and confessing that. And James 5.16 tells, tells us, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. That it will heal. It's amazing. Just talked to a guy recently about confessing something. And he said, just for the first time in year, like over a decade, my heart feels like it's starting to heal. 
Like, I can't even describe how good it feels. Like, I know i got to deal with my stuff, but wow, I'm doing it from a place of a heart that's getting stronger and it's healing. Don't deny your heart, the thing that God created your heart to have, that kind of healing. But you got to be willing to confess. It takes courage. It takes honesty. Would you be willing to do that? That's the guardrail for guilt. Here's the next one, for anger. You owe me to forgive to forgive. I want to give you a little exercise because for some of you, you need to think about all that this person did to you, or maybe it was a group of people, and write down like a ledger, like a debt ledger. Here are all the things, what they said, what they did, and just take some time. Get alone today before the sun goes down or sometime soon and write out what did they do to you? What did they say? How did they hurt you? What did they take from you? And write it down. Write it, everything you can think of, everything, write it all down. You might take multiple sheets because it may be abuses that have happened over years. It may be sexual abuse. Maybe it didn't even happen to you. Maybe it happened to someone you love or to your child. And it's taken everything you can to to forgive. But I just want to ask you to ask God, God, help me to cancel the debt, to forgive. And just write it over the top, canceled debt over the top of all of that. Tear it up, burn it, whatever you want to do with it, get rid of it, give it to God and say, God, I'm canceling the debt. And now for some of you are thinking, well, what are you talking about, Will? Are you just like, just going to let them off the hook? Yes, but you're letting you off the hook too. You see, the thing about unforgiveness, it's like drinking a poison, hoping somebody else dies. It is toxin that you're holding on to inside your heart, inside your spirit, inside your soul And it is slowly eating you up. So whatever they did, whatever offense they did to you years ago, you're letting it still like a cancer eat you up by not forgiving. Do you realize that? It's going to destroy you. It's going to eat up your relationships. It's going to eat up all the good stuff God's trying to do in your life. And Colossians 3.13 tells us to forgive one another whatever grievance you have against another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. So incredibly powerful when we learn how to do it. And that may be a process. It may take weeks, months, but to keep doing it, to keep giving it over to God, I'm telling you, it could be life-changing and incredibly powerful. Here's the third one. Greed, I owe me. And the guardrail for greed is to give, to start giving. Don't wait till you're asked. Just start giving, giving generously. I put giving a faith-stretching generosity, which means this isn't just a little couple of dollars in the Salvation Army bucket at Christmas time. This is me writing a check that scares me. This is me going, "Ooh, okay, Lord, I hope you, you're going to have to help me with this one. This is scary. Okay, like this is a big deal. I, I encourage you. There is something so freeing to our heart when we start getting generous, start giving away things that are really valuable, blessing other people with it. Don't wait till it's a piece of garbage that, you know, like, should I give this away or try to donate it, right? There's no real value left in it. I'm talking about giving it away when it still has a lot of value. Learning how to be generous and bless other people, it keeps that greed at bay. And there's such joy from the generosity of giving and giving and being a part of the things of God. We talked about that last week. 
And I just encourage you to do that. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and following, the Apostle Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, who's pastoring in Ephesus, and he's saying to him, he's going, listen, I want you to tell all those people who are above the poverty line, which in that culture, they were considered rich if you were above the poverty line. He says, to all those people above the poverty line, that stop trusting in their riches, but trust in the one who richly provides all things for your enjoyment. Like, enjoy things and own your stuff and stop being owned by your stuff. Be generous with it. Be open-handed with it. Share it with other people. I promise you it will bring so much more joy into your life and it will keep you free from greed, getting its talons hooked into your heart. And here's the last one, jealousy. It says, life owes me. And we take it a a step deeper. Really what we're saying is, I'm a little perturbed with God. Really, God owes me is really what I'm saying with jealousy. It's saying, I'm frustrated and upset that this guy over here, this girl over here got what I think I deserved. And the, the antidote for that, the guardrail for that is to start celebrating what God is doing in your life and celebrating what God is doing in their life. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15 and following, he tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. He says, I want you to have empathy, not jealousy. I want you to have a heart that shares their celebration. That is a beautiful thing to be able to share with people. I have noticed this. This this may sound kind of weird to admit as a pastor, but I've had other guys I know in the ministry, and sometimes when I see big, huge blessings that come to them, if I'm really honest about what happens to my heart sometimes, I'm a little jealous. I'm like, ooh, I wish that happened here, right? But then I look around here and I go, that's ridiculous because God's done so much here. But what has helped me so much years ago, getting challenged to say, anytime jealousy is trying to creep its way into your heart, celebrate that other person. Do it out loud. Write them a text. Write them an email. I am so excited. I'm praising God for what he's doing in your life. This is so wonderful. It's amazing. Just shower celebration on them. It will do your heart such good. I promise you, it will help to start to turn around that greed, and it'll keep it from getting a hold on your heart. It's amazing how it works. And I encourage you today just to begin to say, okay, I'm going to put this into place. I'm going to put this into place. So here's the question I'm asking you to really probe your heart with right now. What's going on inside your heart today? In other words, which one of these four emotions do I feel most right now? Is it guilt, anger, is it greed, is it jealousy? And I want to just challenge you. Would you just be brutally honest with God saying, yep, guilt right here, anger, got a little greed going on, got a little jealousy going on with with a particular person? Just encourage you, like especially with the jealousy, but start to celebrate those other people. Maybe you're not real good at celebrating. You're like, way to go. High five. That's amazing. You're doing a great job. Maybe you really struggle with celebrating other people. I want to challenge you. Start becoming the guy, the girl that celebrates other people. It will set you free. It is a powerful spiritual principle. It's incredible. Here's the prayer of application. I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's just simply saying, Jesus, help me to guard my heart against guilt with confession Anger with forgiveness, greed with generosity, and jealousy with celebrating others. Please change my heart to be like yours. 
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.